Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the CEO of Love for Words, which is an editing boutique for CEO authors and writers. I'm also the creator, producer, and hostess of Editor Knows Best, the podcast you're listening to now. And we cater to writers and authors. So I interview authors and I also talk about different writing topics that pertain to being an author, publishing, uh, working with an editor, um, revision and um, other topics related to writing. Today we do have a special guest. She is a native New Yorker. She is also a licensed master social worker and the founder of Verkia Speaks, which is a community organization created for panel discussion on various topics such as limited and such as infertility um, and child loss. She is also a professional speaker and has delivered messages about grief, loss, and bereavement at the New York University and also Columbia University. Thank you so much for joining us today, Verkia. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what um, led you to writing and what motivated you to write? Um, I've been writing probably since junior high school. Okay. Um, I started like writing poetry. Um, you know, every little girl has their diary. So definitely started doing a lot of writing in that way. And as I got older, I just continued to love um, writing. And I would say probably around high school was when I was like introduced to Maya Angelou. Okay. And she definitely was a huge influence on my writing. And then at that time, of course, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to read the classics in school. So I was reading like Terry McMillan. And then I became introduced to Zane and Eric Jerome Dickey. And then my dad, as I got way older, he um, introduced me to Janet Ivanovich. So um, I've always loved to write, but I love reading as well because reading helps to develop your writing skills and just, you know, see different writing styles. So um, I, you know, poetry is definitely my first love when it comes to writing, but definitely um, improve that and begin to write stories, short stories about myself, um, and then wanted to do more and started writing a couple of things here and there and just never really followed through with it. But then after a while, I was like, I really think I want to have a book. So I was able to kind of fuse some, you know, stories that I had in my head along with my poetry. Okay, awesome. I also write poetry, so I'm excited to hear you say that. Um, and what's the name of your first book, the first book you ever published? It's called Intertwined. Okay, and what is that about, or what genre is that? Um, definitely fiction. None of okay. it is true. <laughs> Okay. These are made up characters. Um, I mean, there are some things about it that have some truth to it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different topics in the book. I named it Intertwine because some of the characters are kind of intermingled throughout the book. There are four different parts. And while they're separate parts, um, some of the characters kind of, you'll see them pop up in other places. And it's it definitely is a mix of um, relationships a lot of interpersonal relationships, you know, romantic relationships, but definitely familial relationships. So it's really, um, uh, you'll see a lot of how things develop throughout people's relationships, how they fall apart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it brings up a lot of different topics like grief, loss, um, rape, 
inter um interracial relationships mm -hmm. there's some elements of um of domestic of, of violence happening and so we get to see two of the characters um experience some intimate partner violence mm -hmm. um so yeah there's a lot of different things that come up um and you'll just see how these characters become a part of each other's lives okay awesome. that sounds like um a read that i would enjoy and also our listeners so thank you for giving us a little bit of a summary of your book and for you as an author as a writer as a poet does writing energize or exhaust you it depends on what i'm writing about it definitely depends on what i'm writing about um right now i'm doing a daily journal um and that has been really hard because it's a spiritual journey. And so, um, you know, of course, we're all going through different transitions in our lives. Um, and right now, I'm going through some personal stuff. So it's been hard to get up every day and write every single day. But I've committed myself to this because I think at this point, I need to um, really delve into some spaces in my personal life and really work through them in this way um and i don't do anything without god so but i also feel like there are times where like when i was writing intertwine i was like oh this is juicy right. yeah let me put this <laughs> down so you know there are moments where I, i'm energized and i'm excited um but there are moments where i'm like oh jesus you know i find or uh, there's also elements of relief especially with the poetry um sometimes for me poetry is like you know something is is like really burning inside and coming over me and i'm like i gotta get this out yes so um there's also elements of relief when i write depending on what it is okay i definitely agree with that uh, when i you know was writing for my book of poetry that i published dear august love august i definitely found it therapeutic to write about some of the trauma i experienced so mm -hmm. um, i know that's that's common among a lot of writers so you did mention that sometimes you're not motivated to write and it's difficult to work through that. Um, we of course have listeners who might be new writers or um, even seasoned writers. So what would you recommend to other writers and authors who might um, have similar challenges? Um, don't give up, try to write something every day. Even if it's not for uh, something you think is going to be a published work. Um, a lot, some of the poetry that's in this current book are the kid. So like sometimes you can go back to something and pull it out and throw it in something else. And um, I was able to really do that in this book. So some stuff was like things that have happened years and years and years ago. And I was like, oh, I can turn this into something. Mm -hmm. You never know how your writing will manifest into something different later on. Um, conversations with people I've had have come up and I'm like, ooh, I could kind of work this in in some way, shape or form, right? Like, right. you know, life is funny that way. Um, but I always encourage like every single day, write something. Always walk with a paper and pen. Um, this morning on my way, you know, to where I was headed, I actually pulled out a paper and pen and just started penning some stuff down because in conversation with a friend of mine, um, she was like, triumphs, trials, and testimonies. And I was like, holy crap, that's the name of the book. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I was like, you're going to get credit for that though. And she right. was laughing at me, but um, it, it was so apropos to something that God gave me as far as my next assignment. Um, um, I've been a little leery about it because 
it involves asking other women to tell their stories. And so it's not just my story, um, my Mm -hmm. personal life story. So, you know, um, I was very hesitant, but I think, I think because I have relationship with some folks, Mm -hmm. they will be willing to open up and tell me. And then I also thought about how I wanted to tell their stories, but I wanted to tell their stories in a way that connects to my journey. So like the first time I heard about chronic illness. Now, I didn't know the name for chronic illness, right? But I knew and I learned what endometriosis was, you know, from a a very close family member. And it was like, sheesh, that's a lot to deal with, right? Not knowing that that word chronic illness would become a part of my life eventually um, down the line. So like, I really honestly believe that everything is so interconnected. And when the time comes, it'll all like kind of just fall in place and work itself out. Yes, yes. Again, thank you so much for um, giving us those nuggets and sharing that feedback with our listeners and also myself. So I know that you published your first book and I'm just curious to know, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know, what was your experience like publishing your book? So actually, let me preface that. Did you tradition? Did you go through traditional publishing or did you self-publish? And what was that like for you? I self-published, but in self-publishing, I worked with Miss Ebony, Coach Ebony. Um, okay. Shout out to Coach Ebony. Yes. It was a hard process. And I, I say that because, so I never actually physically met Ebony. Okay. She, she lives in Rochester. I yes. live in New York City. She's a we good are, friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We are miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. And so I've never physically met her. Um, mm-hmm. There were some points of frustration for me because this process was all new. Um, I definitely didn't know fully what to expect. And as things were happening, I was just like, oh, forget this. Like, I called my friend, whom I believe you know as well, Tiffany. Um, Lewis? Tiffany, yes. Okay, yes. I was like, Tiffany, I'm done. I'm just done. (laughs) There was a a point where, like, I lost almost everything. Um, That's happened on multiple occasions during this journey. So, Mm -hmm. like, it was, it was, it's turned it's turned out to be a beautiful thing in the end but the process of it was like daunting Mm -hmm. and you know for me um because i work full-time um i also have a five-year-old who just turned five like when all of covid started Mm -hmm. but um you know and then i also have my health which sometimes plays a role for me so like there were times where like i literally could not see very well and so i would be like oh how do I finish and edit and, and reread when my eyes are killing me? Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I definitely had to push through in some moments and, you know, it, it was not an easy task. Like when, I'm sure when you're a part of a big publishing company, there are things you just don't worry about. Right. You don't have to, Absolutely. Um, but when you're doing it pretty much in isolation with, you know, one or two or three other people, then it's like, okay, you got to find somebody to do your headshots, right? Like, what does that entail? Oh, you mm-hmm. have to find somebody to do, you know, your, your book cover. And then mm-hmm. when the time came for that, I had a big idea in my head. And when it went to execute it, it went to crap, right? Like, okay. and so I had to find plan B and C. Mm-hmm. And then some of those things didn't work out. So like there are all these different things, right. you know, like I would get emails and I forward it to Ebony and call her like, oh my God, what does this mean? You know, and try not to get 
totally worked up about things, um, but trying to stay on task. So, you know, you have to set deadlines for yourself. And that's very different because I'm sure with publishing companies, they tell you, like, you need to have this done by this date. Right. And when you're when you don't have that, you kind of have to do some stuff for yourself. So like, you know, when it came to like having this project completed, I told Ebony, I said, I want to release this on my birthday. And she was like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, in order for us to do that, we got to financially take care of some stuff. And I'm like, sis. I want this done by my birthday. Right. You know, so like <laughs> I really had to um, make some sacrifices and make sure it was done by my birthday. And that included staying up after I wanted to go to bed or I wasn't feeling so great and, you know, digging deep or asking people for help that I didn't initially intend to ask for help, you know. And I'll be honest, sometimes if you just ask, people will just be like, sure, no problem. Yeah. You know, um, so like getting sponsorship for the book release party, like I was kind of afraid to ask people because I'm like, they're going to be like, no, who, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and granted, a lot of the sponsors were people that I had some relationship with, right? but you never know what people's reaction is going to be. And nobody said no. Awesome. It was not one person that said no. People gave me you know sponsored and did and went above and beyond and so like i'm just really thankful and grateful for all of those who just stepped in to help me through this journey um because it definitely was not done in isolation yes yes and just to piggyback off of that um i think one of the biggest roadblocks for for people is the fear of rejection so a lot of people (laughs) don't even try because they're scared that someone's going to say no Mm-hmm. Or they're scared that someone's going to say yes. Some people are afraid to have their success come to fruition. So thank you for sharing that. So for authors who might be going through this or will go through this in the future, what would you recommend for finding an illustrator or someone to design your book cover, an editor? How did you go about getting those um, professionals as a self-published as author? people in your backyard. There are people in your backyard. Like... I mean, you know, ask your friends. People know people. Like, you know, there were two people I was looking to help me publish the book. Um, it just so happened that, you know, when when I intended, when I went to have conversation with the other folks, it, it didn't work out, you know, right? But um, there's so many people in your backyard. You just have to ask questions. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, because of the way my life has happened and there've been some traumas around failing, right? Um, I was, that fear of failure is huge. But if you just ask people for help, you know, it'll take you a long way. There's so many people around you. I know English majors. I know, you know, professors and all sorts of folks. And when I tell you, like, there are very few people who said no to me. And those who did, you know, it was like, no, I don't think I can add that to my plate right now, right? Okay. And that's okay, too, because right. you got to protect your sanity. Absolutely. Everybody got a whole lot going on, and you have to be understanding of those things. And I, I, of course, understand those things because of the way my life is, right? So, like, um, I just definitely... You know, I asked people who knew people who knew people and, you know, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. Like I said, when I went to go do, um, I had a very clear mission in mind, especially around my book cover. I wanted the person 
who I initially asked to do it, I wanted it to be a woman of color. Mm-hmm. because we don't get enough recognition. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I also wanted to elevate somebody else's work. Right. And so I initially asked a woman of color who's an artist that I knew. And unfortunately, um, it just didn't work out. And then I asked another person I knew who was a young man of color um, and a friend of my brother's, and that didn't work out either. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. there'll be future projects, and I'm hoping that the next time I ask them, you know, they'll be able to do it. And then the person that I ended up asking, a good friend of mine, Minister Sue, um, she was just like, sure, sis, no problem. Mm-hmm. She ain't asked me for nothing. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, I'm all, I'm a believer of paying people for their work. Right. Um, and so, you know, I also, I did, of course, say here, we got, you got kids, we right. have lives, we got to right. take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But um, I really wanted to work with folks who look like me. Absolutely. And I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, even before the lynching of George Floyd, I always um, promoted, you know, patronizing Black businesses. I think it's very important. And I just hope that the the newfound resurgence in supporting Black businesses is not short-lived. Right, um, right. I have faith that we can continue this, you know, forever. And that I hope we don't see a sudden um, return to doing business with others that don't look like us and that we'll continue to invest in each other. Um, so I'm glad to hear you say that as well and that um, you believe in that mission of, um, you know, spending money in our community, uplifting each other. So that I'm going to always support my people first, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I can, I, you know, and there's just, there needs to be a, a, a standard of quality, right? Like, you For know, sure. and I've, I've had, I've had personal conversations with some of the folks I do business with, like, listen, you know, you got to get on it. What's For up? Sure. Like, you know, um, and that's, that's something that I demand when I'm like, Hey, let's do this. I want it to be good. Right. You know, I don't want, I don't want no mess. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, we do need to produce quality work, but on the other side of that, um, I also think it's important that when we aren't satisfied that we're not blasting those black companies. When oh, you go to McDonald's not. and they get but, your order wrong. You're not on Facebook. Like I'm never going to McDonald's again, but when right. you do business with somebody who looks like you and they mess up, you know, the tendency to go online, don't ever do business with them. They're terrible. But but we have a responsibility to do things in private, right? Like, right. And in love, you know, right. I, I come from a very spiritual religious background and there, there's a way to correct folks without Absolutely. doing that. And I think you do a disservice when you blast people because you're not, you're not making them any better. You're just making them angrier. Right. So like, if you don't do something that I I think is appropriate, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm not going to tell it to everybody. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, I think that was a little to the left and maybe this is the way we should try to work that out the next time. Um, I think that's important to have that because we all need to, um, do better for the next time and if we don't say anything that can't happen improvement can't happen but if we're just blasting folks then we just tearing folks down and that's not helpful right yes as a as myself as a business owner and a consumer i i practice that on both sides so i've had clients you know i've edited for who 
you know, were dissatisfied or they had questions or concerns and we've had a private conversation about it, which I appreciate. They didn't go online or, you know, make this big, um, you know, public deal about it. Right. Um, and then also on the flip side of that, I've worked with, you know, other black business owners and I've been dissatisfied. And again, it was a private conversation. It wasn't me going online and, you know, tagging them and telling people not to do business with them. So I definitely agree with that um, and definitely passionate about that. So as an editor, I'm always curious and excited to hear about um people, authors and writers experiences working with editors. So at least for your first book, did you work with an editor or did you self-edit? What was that like for you? <laughs> it was traumatic. Um, Ebony kind of helped in development and okay. editing and that was traumatic for me. It brought me back to a place of high school with the red pen and ink mm -hmm. and I was very traumatized and it was so funny because that post that I put regarding that situation came back up this year and I was like Ebony remember she said yeah but guess what it's a year later and now you're done <laughs> um I did also have somebody else look it over for me okay that didn't go so well and then the final ending of it I did um ask Minister Sue my good friend to look it over for me and that you know, seem to work pretty well. Listen, I feel like you, you live and you learn. And so, you know, everything is a learning experience. And I've, I've, I've taken a lot of lessons from this. And I know that there are a lot of things that I will be able to do on my own before I even get it in front of anybody else. Right. Um, and so it's a learning experience, but I think if you find somebody that you can work with, stick with them. I think that that's important. Um, I think that you know you should ask questions about certain things prior to jumping head first and i don't know if i had all the questions prepared right um and so i feel like this was a quick step up to the learning curve i didn't know what to expect and so i went through this a little half being able to see if that makes sense and so this has completely opened my eyes to what i would like the next process to look like Okay. <laughs> and I'm always open to talking to people about who they can ask for help and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know. So, so for authors and writers who are hesitant about getting an editor, either um, due to monetary concerns or uh, fear that their voice will be taken out, what would you recommend to them if, you know? I had, so a funny story. I recommend that you be like very honest and, and not in a, and not in a nasty way, but in a stern way, like that's not what I meant. And it's mm -hmm. okay to say that. Mm -hmm. um, part of my, my story, because I'm a New Yorker, it takes place in New York. Mm -hmm. And I remember when, when Ebony was editing, she had written something about like the tea being on the porch brewing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. what? And so I had to call her like, what is that about? And she was like, oh. And I was like, no, we would never do that in New York because <laughs> we live in high-rise buildings for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. and, my, and of course, people don't know what's in your head. Right. But um, I had a, a specific building in mind or okay. complex of buildings in mind when I was writing about this particular character. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I had Espinar Gardens where I spent a lot of time because my sister's babysitter lived there and my friend Stormy lived there. And then one of my 
very good friends, Kim, live there. And I'm imagining the long hallway to their, you know, to their apartment buildings because Kim lived at the end of the hall. So you would get off the, mm-hmm. the elevator and she lived at the end. And she lived on the 27th floor. Mm-hmm. So like there was no tea brewing on the outside. We got the powdered stuff, poured the water in it and right. the sugar and stirred the stuff <laughs> So it was so funny to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, that just goes to show that when you're when you're when you're reading you create what you're seeing in your head right and it could be something totally different than what the writer intended or what somebody else sees in their head and i Mm -hmm. what i really hope that happens with this book um is that people don't read it in isolation. I hope that people read it as a group so that they can have discussion. Um, there are discussion questions in the book at the end. And um, because of the context of some of the stories and like the things that happen um, between parent and children, um, between family members, between you know boyfriends and girlfriends, and... Um, you know, all of those sorts of things. I really want people to delve into those conversations. Um, You know, Verkia Speaks is definitely about starting the hard conversations. But I think sometimes if we have something that isn't about our lives to start a conversation, it's a little easier. And so that's what I'm really hoping that this book will do is to start some of those hard conversations. Well, thank you again for um, sharing that information about the book and giving your recommendations. I'm sure our listeners appreciate that. So you did share earlier that you are the owner of Verkia Speaks. So will you tell us a little bit more about your business? What motivated you to start it? Um, Anything else that you would want our listeners to know about Verkia Speaks? Um, Verkia Speaks started out because... I was having a conversation with one of my friends um, just about my journey and my life. And I was just saying, you know what, it would be good if we could have conversations about these topics. Um, People, you know, us folk, and when I say us folk, I mean black folk, we don't talk about stuff, right? Like all these things happen in our lives and we just Mm -hmm. don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But um, after having two miscarriages and a stillborn baby, I was just like, I have to talk about this, like, you know, going through fertility treatments, these are things that are happening in our community and we're not talking about it. And for me specifically, um, when I went through my fertility journey, I, or infertility journey, depending on how you look at it, Mm -hmm. I did not have many folks to talk to. Um, And so I wanted to create a space for people to have those kinds of conversations and then of course you know there are other things that I've experienced I have lupus so you know talking about being a mom with chronic illness and just various different topics and um wanting to do some good in the community and so right before COVID kind of started um I had a six-week um young women's empowerment workshop series that took place we didn't get to finish up with each other the ending was supposed to be me taking the young women to go see um alvin ailey and that didn't quite happen but um i plan in the future when all of this is over to take those girls to go see that because i feel like they deserve it and they earned it and so um you know it's one of those things i i'm hoping and praying that in the next six months, um, we will become a nonprofit and I'm considering the persons who I would like to be on the board, but I really want to do a lot of community work and, um, 
you know, creating a scholarship fund because I remember being a teenager and I remember how hard that was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while my parents were available and in my life, um, I did have mentors and people in my life who ensured that I stayed on the right track for the Mm -hmm. most part and even in college. And so um, when you go away to college, your parents aren't there. And so, um, you know, you, you come you you you're away from home but they you need people to be there so there are sometimes things we don't want to talk to our parents about mm-hmm. but you need somebody who has good information and good counsel because you don't want anybody giving you you know your friends give you the bad stuff right mm-hmm. <laughs> like we got enough of that going on but mm-hmm. it's always good to have some mentors and you know I graduated I went away to school and when I came home um I I just wanted to give back to my community and I didn't know exactly how that would happen. And while I do do that in my work, in my, my, my nine to five life, I wanted to do something more. Okay. And what ages is your program for? Um, For the young women's empowerment, we did um, teenagers. So, you know, but specifically high schoolers. So, freshmen to seniors in high school. Um, we did have one young lady who was in junior high, but moving forward, I, I am going to be very stringent about just having teenagers who are in high school because I think that makes a difference. Okay. And is this just for girls in New York City? Yes. Um, for right now, we're sticking to the Bronx, which is one of the five boroughs, um, Brooklyn and Manhattan. And the reason why I say Manhattan and not specifically Harlem is because if I can pull in girls from the Lower East Side, I definitely will. Um, I used to work in the Lower East Side in multiple occasions, in multiple occasions in my life. So like, um, so yeah. Okay. And if some, if our listeners want to learn more about Verkia Speaks, where would they find that information? I have a website, um, com. You can go and look up information. Um, I also have a Facebook page, Verkia Speaks, and then I'm on Instagram, Verkia underscore speaks. Okay. And it, are those the channels they can also follow you if they want to know more about your books, um, any other programs you have coming up or events? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been doing a lot of live videos since we've been um, sheltered in place. And so um, every Thursday I was doing a live video. I took a break um, for this week for obvious reasons because the book and trying to get the virtual book release together has been um, a lot of work. So I wanted to give myself a little bit of a break. But yeah. Okay. And what would you recommend to authors who are, who may be considering starting or hosting a virtual book release? We probably have listeners who are interested. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I would totally recommend that you find sponsors, um, because it makes it more fun. So there'll be lots of raffles. I sold tickets at different ticket prices. Use Eventbrite for that. Um, that was very helpful. I actually just remember to follow up with people because you ask for things, but then you have to remind people like, hey, I need you to send me the um, the promotional items that you decided you were going to, you know, allow me to have. Or for those people who, you know, are gifting things that don't necessarily require something hands on, um, I needed to remind them to send me business cards. So those persons who win, I can stick the business card in their book when I mail it to them. Um, 
you know, also just preparing yourself for mailing. So I need to do some spring cleaning and just like clean out a space to get ready to like package everything and mail it out to folks. And I know that's going to be a bit of work. Um, I also will be signing the copies, but I've literally sold 80 tickets. Wow. Congratulations. So I need, yeah. So I mean, thank you so very much. It's going to be <laughs> one of those situations where I tell people like, listen, please be patient because some folks is going to be just signing my name because I don't necessarily know them very well. Mm -hmm. Right. But then for my mom, <sighs> I'm going to have to really think about what to write. Like, right. what do you say to your mom and your dad mm -hmm. and your sister and your brother who are always supporting every little single thing that you do? And I mean, those are just a very, a very small amount of people that who are always supporting every little single thing I right. do. But, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of me taking the time to write out what I wanted, want to say. And then I also have to be mindful that I just can't leave stuff out because my kid is nosy and he wants to be in everything. So, you know, he's going to be like, mommy, what's that? Can I touch it? What is this? Can I have some? No, back off. So, um, you know, just really the follow-up is key and just, you know, trying to organize yourself. And so, um, and if you, again, if you don't know something, ask questions. Cause like I spoke to Ebony and she was like, okay, so you got to order your books. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, don't worry, I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. So we schedule a time for us to do that tomorrow evening. Okay. And, you know, we got the order. And I'm probably going to over order because right. I think some people have not brought ticket yet, tickets yet. Mm -hmm. And because we're in a very precarious situation of, you know, being sheltered in place and COVID taking place. And I know a lot of people would like to buy book, um, participate, but may have lost income right. or, you know, or waiting to get paid tomorrow. Um, or, you know, so there may be some more last minute buys, but I'm very grateful. And I also to connect this virtual release to Verkia Speaks, because that's so very important to me. Um, on Fridays, I've been doing story time and having like um readers as guests ebony was my first guest reader mm -hmm. and we've been doing those live videos on friday um and so to connect it to that i knew two people who own um black women who own preschools and so i actually have a donation button that people can click when they buy tickets and you know donate some money so that we can assist these women in developing their libraries okay. and so yes so like I'm always trying to find ways to give back even when it's about me which you know <laughs> I, I love it but at the same time you know I'm always trying to find ways to help others yeah that was awesome and I also um, really enjoy volunteering giving back as well so um, we do have we also have that in common and thank you for all the service and all of the things that you do to help your community and being so generous. And also thank you for being a guest on the show on Editor Knows Best. Um, I appreciated our conversation, getting to know you about your work. And one more time for our listeners, where can they follow you and, and keep in touch? Um, you can go to VerkiaSpeaks.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Verkia Speaks, And then on Instagram, it's Verkia underscore Speaks. 
Okay. Well, thank you again so much for Kia. And thank you thank to all you. of our listeners. Um, again, you're welcome to keep in touch with Rakia. Editor Knows Best airs Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. And the link is anchor.fm slash editor knows best. Thanks again, everybody. Be safe and be well.